Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Our podcast today is part two of my three-part series on the victim identity. I used to be a member of the Victim Club. I was an excellent member in good standing. But one day, I stopped following the rules, so I was kicked out of the club. I've never been happier about an eviction. Are you in the Victim Club? You are if you adhere to the rules. Here they are. Number one, accept that you are truly of little or no value. Number two, Do not ask for what you need or want. Number three, treat yourself or others disrespectfully, preferably both. Number four, do not change dysfunctional areas of your life. And number five, live your life in extremes, avoiding balance. The victim identity is a strong bondage, one that steals our life from us. We want to break out of this bondage with Christ's help. We must stand up to the lies Satan speaks about us and begin to believe the truth of God's word. A victim is someone who defines themselves by the choices they have made and by the things that have happened to them. They have added up the columns of their life, both the painful events they've endured and the poor choices they've made and reached a negative answer in the identity column. Their perspectives on the facts of their life have led them to false beliefs about themselves. Because they have chosen to believe lies, they've adopted false beliefs about their identity. Here are 12 false beliefs typically held by victims. I am not important to God. God doesn't accept me just for me. I am not a valuable person. God made a mistake in the way he created me. Other people determine my worth and value. Other people are more important than I am. I am not worth loving. I am defined by my poor choices. I am defined by what has happened to me. I have the power to control my circumstances. I have the power to control other people. God cannot be trusted. False beliefs are what drive the victim lifestyle. If change is going to occur, it needs to start with our beliefs. I'm not going to say any more about false beliefs because I primarily want to focus today on what the lifestyle looks like. You can listen to my podcast, How Is Your Software Programmed, if you want to learn more about that aspect of our victim identities. Victims live very messy lives, and they are painful to be around. Let's look at the relationship aspect of this lifestyle. There are two types of victims when it comes to relationships, the passive victim and the aggressive or the unyielding victim. The passive victim has difficulty finding their voice. They are afraid to ask for what they want or need. So they make choices that continually harm themselves. The aggressive victim has no trouble speaking their mind. Their need for control is front and center. They are demanding and threatening. 
their style is harmful to others. Neither the passive or aggressive victim knows how to live and speak and relate to others in a way that's respectful of themselves and, at the same time, respectful of the other person. Both types are fearful and needy. Both types rarely take responsibility for how they relate to others. The passive victim is afraid to ask for help or say they have a problem or issue with something. They are so afraid of rejection or receiving disapproval or someone being angry with them that they have lost their voice. To receive disapproval in any form just reinforces the false beliefs they have about their identity. They would rather be invisible than risk rejection or anger. This was me many years ago. Being raised by a violent, angry, alcoholic father made me afraid to ever speak my mind. That was a good strategy as a child. It kept me from being beaten. But it followed me into adulthood, and that wasn't good. Another trait of the passive victim is to feel sorry for themselves. They see themselves as weak and pitiful, incapable of living a joy-filled, satisfying life. The banner over their life says, miserable, and they continually create circumstances to prove it true. They see life as a minefield. To avoid being blown up, they work very hard to please everybody. They agree to do things they shouldn't simply because they're afraid to say no. Their spiritual life is a wreck because it's simply too overwhelming to try and obey God when they're so busy trying to obey everyone else. Their victim identity prevents them from seeing what they are doing to themselves and everyone around them. What they can't see is that their misery is their choice. At any point, they can stop living life that way and instead take responsibility. The aggressive victim has the same root issues, but they express their false beliefs differently. The aggressive victim has difficulty accepting that they are not in control of other people. They don't understand that every adult is responsible to live their life the way they see fit. They can't accept that others will make disappointing and even painful choices, so they try to control them. The aggressive victim judges God as unreliable and decides to take over for him. Because they don't trust God, their spiritual life is also a wreck. Who has time to listen to God and obey him? when they're so busy trying to run everybody's life. The aggressive victim definitely has a voice and no trouble using it. They're judgmental, threatening, blaming, advice-giving demigods. They regularly communicate what they want and need, but without giving others the freedom to respond the way they want to, without serious consequences. Their tactic for getting their needs met is force and intimidation. They're not particularly concerned with what anyone else wants or thinks. In their mind, life revolves around their needs. If you don't meet their demands, they have no problem making you miserable until you do. They exhibit control by yelling, withholding love, and issuing punishment. The aggressive victim also feels sorry for themselves. They carry their wounds around as a badge of honor and expect others to cater to them because of it. 
Again, they can't see that they are doing this to themselves. They don't choose to make godly choices and take responsibility for their life. Both the passive and aggressive victim often expects others to read their minds. The victim has some idea in their head about how things should go down, and they expect people to know what it is without them sharing it. This is disrespectful of everyone around them. It's a no-win for everybody. Since no one can read minds, those in relationship with the victim constantly find themselves in trouble. And the victim doesn't get their needs met either. I see women do this all the time with men regarding birthdays, anniversaries, and special days. They want it to be remembered and celebrated in a certain way, but they won't give their men that information. For them, it's a test of their husband's love to see if they get it right and accurately read their minds. That's not fair to men. It's a setup for disaster for both the man and the woman. I am married to someone who just doesn't think in terms of days and dates. His mind doesn't work that way. He loves me deeply, but he never knows what I want to receive or do to celebrate unless I share that information with him. By talking to him about these things, we both end up with a better result. Men do this too. They feel a need for things too and fail to share that information. They may need a day to relax and rest or take care of some personal things, but don't speak up. Then when their wife asks him to do something, they get angry. But she wasn't able to read his mind. Now everyone is upset. What both passive and aggressive victims need to learn to do is to share their wants and needs in a way that's respectful of the other person and respectful of themselves. They need to learn to be vulnerable and share what they are thinking without being afraid or without making demands and threats. Just let it be. Put it out there and let the other person decide how they want to respond. The golden rule is a good verse to guide us in our relationships. Luke 6.31 says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. So if you wouldn't like someone to do it to you, then you shouldn't do it to them. So our victim identity is expressed in our relationships. And it is also expressed in how we conduct our life. The two victim rules that relate to how we live our life are do not change dysfunctional areas of your life and live your life in extremes, avoiding balance. As I said earlier, victims live messy lives. Not only are their relationships a wreck, so are their homes, their health, their finances, their time management, and their jobs. Because of their false beliefs about their identity, they make poor decisions in every direction. They blame their circumstances on everything and everyone else. They refuse to take responsibility for how they conduct their life. They believe they have to do things the way they do because they have no other choice. That's a lie. We always have more than one choice about how we do things. Although we may not like any of our choices, 
Nevertheless, we always have a choice. Unless we are locked up in a prison somewhere, we get to choose what we will do with our life every minute of every day. Victims falsely believe their issues and problems are too big to overcome. They constantly sell God short, believing he is unable or unwilling to help. They always have reasons why they can't obey God in this or that particular thing. I'm too tired, too stressed, too poor, too busy, too pitiful. And why are they those things? Did someone make them live that way? No. They are those things by their own choice. I'm not saying life doesn't bring seasons where we are under stressful circumstances beyond our control. Read my life. I've been through just about any horrible thing a person can go through. But seasons come and go. The victim lives that way all the time. They create chaos, whether it exists or not. They make drama in their life by their continual poor choices. And I'm not saying that when we live the way God asks us to live, it prevents a lot of problems and hardships. Victims go through many unnecessary difficulties because of how they conduct their lives. Victims always have control issues. They either go one direction, trying to control everything, or the other, throwing up their hands, controlling nothing. Then they just let life happen to them and wonder why things are disaster. Victims find their significance in being a mess. If they're always sick, people will care about them. They're always in financial hot water. People will pity them. If they're always in toxic relationships, people will feel sorry for them. They live like this because it garners attention from others. This is one reason they remain victims. I call it the pitiful payoff. They are too fearful to discover their true identity in Christ and live the abundant life, so they settle for the pitiful life of a victim. Victims live their life in extremes. They either work too much or don't work enough. They either hoard everything or spend everything. They either refuse any pleasure or they live for pleasure. They either take no risks or take too many risks. They either can't break the rules or they can't follow the rules. They find no balance in their life. Ecclesiastes 7.18 in the NIV says, Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Victims are black and white in their thinking. I have to do it this way. I don't have a choice. There are no other options. That's a lie. As I said, you always have a choice. So what's the answer? Learning to live victoriously instead of as a victim. And this requires healing. There are wounds and events linked to their false identity that first need healing. Those false beliefs didn't materialize out of thin air. They came from real things that happened in their life. Those events need the healing touch of Christ. For that reason, if you realize you're living the victim lifestyle, I would encourage you to take the Healing Journey class. It's a common trait among victims that they can't see another way to do things. Most people need help to recognize this. They need help identifying where the victim lifestyle is showing up in their life. 
They need help identifying their false beliefs about themselves and about God. We do all these things in the healing journey. In addition to healing, their beliefs need to be examined and changed. Then they can start to have a more satisfying life and healthier relationships. It takes time to change victim behaviors. Many things are needed to get that ship turned around. Once healing has taken place and beliefs are coming around to a more truthful place, we still have the hard work of breaking old habits and starting new ones. The great thing about this process is that every area of our life gets better. Our relationships get healthier and become more satisfying. Our work, our health, our finances, our time, our relationship with God, it all improves and we become more content with ourselves. We actually begin to experience joy and happiness. It's a marvelous process one that leads to a great life. Are you a member of the Victim Club? Maybe it's time to stop following those rules and resign from the club. I hope you'll listen to podcasts one and three on the victim identity as well. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.